In Season 1 of Scene of the Crime, we explored the tragic 2017 double murder of Abigail Williams and Liberty German in Delphi, Indiana. Now, Season 2 is upon us, and we are digging into another double murder. But this time around, the victims and circumstances couldn't be more different. Roger Atkinson and Rose Burkert were brutally murdered in their hotel room at the Amana Holiday Inn in Williamsburg, Iowa in September of 1980, and a killer wielding a heavy-bladed weapon in room 260, most likely a hatchet, would ensure that Roger and Rose didn't leave the hotel alive. Join us starting October 14th of 2020 as we kick off Season 2 of Scene of the Crime. Search for and subscribe to Scene of the Crime right now so you don't miss a single moment. Hi everyone, this is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Tonight's episode, wait, I have something to say first. I knew it. I knew it. I had like this feeling I was ready for the peep, 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 peep. I have some morning announcements. Katie doesn't know about these. Do you not like them? Because these no, are surprising. I just had a premonition. It's Halloween, so I'm feeling a little witchy. So, <laughs> there you go. Keith Morrison is Matthew Perry's stepdad. Correct. I feel like we've said it multiple times in the show. But every like six months or so, there's an article that comes out about it and everyone sends it to me and is shocked and is like, did you know this? And I'm like, yeah, known it for a long time. So I just wanted to say it at the beginning. Oh, that you would know this. No, that so everyone knows. So they're not shocked and going through all these emotions every six months when an article comes out. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, don't be shocked. It's good news. It's great. It's a fact. It's a good fact. I think it should make us all happy. It's great. It's a good announcement. I appreciate the announcement. Thank you. You're welcome. Public service. Public service announcement. Okay. Tallahassee trap. I don't know why it's called that. Twap. Sorry, I can't. It's going to, I just, everything in my brain is telling me to do it. So, twap. Okay. I got it out. We're good. Okay. Okay. Press on. Yep. Season 29, episode three, maybe. October 1st, 2020, definitely. This is how we're going from now on. Because the seasons and episode numbers are all out of whack. This said all new, so can't be episode three. Why can't it if it's all new? We haven't had one or two. Yeah, we've had some Mondays that were new and a Thursday that was new. Last week's. And this came up in a Google search as episode 29, episode three? That's what my DVR said. Not 28, episode 46? No. I don't have any time. This is illogical. I can't figure it out. Logical is it's hosted by Dennis the Menace. Because he is original Florida man. So. You mean Dennis is enough. In that. What is your Florida man doing on your birthday? I mean, you've done that Google search, right? Florida man. No. Your birth. Oh, stop it. I can't believe you haven't done it. Okay, stop. Everything has to stop until that happens. Okay. I'm going to not say your birthday out loud, but I am going to type it into my phone and see what happens. Okay, here we go. Okay, Florida man on your birthday. Ready? Police are searching for two men who dressed up as women to rob two Home Depot stores. That's the headline on your birthday. Also, there's one more that says Florida man haunts beaches dressed as Grim Reaper, says governor. Well, yeah, that guy's been doing that since COVID started. So that also was on your birthday. He's been in Orange County, too. And then there was something here about a 71-year-old Florida man tied a gun to a weather balloon to fake his own murder. That's the winner. So that there's that winner too. Mine is the new something, balloon boy. 
I can't believe you've never done this. Of all the time you spent on the internet and you've never heard about that you're supposed to do this? No. Wow. Okay. My birthday is, it's always the same one. There he is. It's really the picture of mine. Fugitive Florida man on bike hoped hideous blonde wig disguise would help him evade deputies, police say. And he has a missing tooth in the front of his mouth. And the wig seems to be a Marilyn Monroe wig that has gone askew and needs to be brushed Much like his life. Yeah. And he's yelling. Can you see this? Oh, yeah. It's a rough time for that guy. He's having a bad day. That was on my birthday. That's yeah, it's all right. Okay. So Dayline has been covering this case for years. One, I don't know how many episodes there's been, at least one called Cold-Blooded. Okay. So we're in Tallahassee, obviously. A law professor, Dan Markle, 41 years old, is shot in his car in his garage. A neighbor saw a white or silver Prius, that's important, drive off after the shots. The neighbor doesn't have car blindness. Someone else does. And it's not just me. Dan's parents are very cute and Jewish and my people, and they were shocked. Everyone is shocked. Who wanted him dead? Jason Newell, Newland, Jason Newland, an investigator who I remember. So I must remember him from Cold Blooded, even though we didn't do that episode. But I distinctly remember Jason. I probably had a crush on him. Shocking. Dan had a... Doesn't seem like your type, but okay. Really? You're all over the map sometimes. I can't. There's not... I don't know. Dan had a law blog. <laughs> Was it run by Bob Loblog? Watch Bob Arrested Loblaw's Development. Loblog? Oh, that's good. Do you know how many hours I've spent saying Bob Loblog's Loblog? Hours? I hope you're not saying it for hours because that would Hours mean... practicing. Just trying to get it right. You're not doing that. You're not sitting in your bathroom looking in the mirror and saying mm-hmm. those words. Mm-hmm. And then he appears in the mirror and stabs you. <laughs> <laughs> then he, then Scott Bayo appears in the mirror and tells you how much he loves Trump. That's what happens. <laughs> okay. It was hostile sometimes. The blah, blah, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But sometimes like there was, it seemed just like real, a lot of finicky people out there. Did not seem like fun times. Well, I think the people that are going on law blogs are, boy, that word. I think are law students mm-hmm. who I think are a persnickety set of folks. That's who fair. All, I'm pretty sure in order to be a lawyer, you need to be pretty sure that you're right. So I should be a lawyer. Yeah, you definitely should have been a lawyer. You would have been a great lawyer. It's not too late for you. Thanks. College of the um, Phoenix. But I think, insert ad here, have not got them as a sponsor yet. So sorry, guys. But actually, I think it's University of the Phoenix. Apologies. But What did you say? Huh? What did you say? College of the Phoenix. That's something else. That's like a community college in Tucson. But it's not in Phoenix. Yeah, not in Phoenix. It's in Tucson. That's why it's clever. But I think that most of those people that go on there are there to like debate each other about law. So I'm sure it's a very hostile environment. Yeah. But the police don't think anyone on there had anything to do with it. Right. Dan was married to Wendy and they had a very messy divorce. Mm-hmm. Dan, yes. It was at this point that I said, hold up. Dan and Wendy, Dan and Wendy, I had just never seen these people before, but it was at this point that I realized how well I know their story because I had listened to Over My Dead Body, the podcast. And so if anybody else out there listened to that podcast, you're going to know this story too. And it's a great podcast. I have no shame in plugging it. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. So Dan was brilliant. He studied at Harvard. He added a bit of an ego on him. 
Wendy was also a lawyer. She was from a well-to-do family of dentists. They were very lovey-dovey at first. They called each other Danny Bear and Wendy Bear. It could be so much worse. Don't sigh. You know it could be so much worse. I I don't know why you're sighing. That's like a tip of the iceberg. Okay. Yeah, you're right. They had two sons. Dan traveled a lot and had a big career. And Wendy didn't feel like she was valued as an equal. So she filed for divorce, cleaned out the house. He called it his Pearl Harbor moment. I was like, don't get all historical referency on me, Dateline. I won't be able to keep up. It was a War of the Roses divorce. I almost want to add War of the Roses to the bingo cards because I feel like they mention it a lot. Dan's divorce attorney said it was as petty as you could get. It was a battle of wits for two years. They each wanted the kids. They each wanted the assets. She wanted to move the kids to near her parents' house, and the family court said she couldn't. Finally, the divorce was finalized. They were both dating new people, but they were still fighting over the kids. He filed for a hearing to work things out. Dennis asked the divorce attorney, who has already said it was as petty as it could get, on a scale of ugly, how ugly was this? And he says, off the Richter scale. Mm. Which, unless I'm wrong, does not measure ugliness. Well, now it does. He's a lawyer. We don't argue with the law, Kimberly. We know better than that. We've learned. I misunderstood. Yeah. So Dan That's was- your mistake, not theirs. <laughs> And in living in California, I've never heard of the Richter scale. So Dan was killed before the hearing. So suspicious? Yes. So police bring in Wendy and they tell her that Dan was killed and she's crying. We really need clearer interrogation room videos in police departments across the country so I can actually see if there are, if there's eye fluid coming out. Real tears, no tears. It sounded correct. I listened, now I've listened to it on a podcast and I've seen it now on Dateline and both times it rings genuine to me, but who am I? Nobody. People were very divided on Twitter. Okay, well, I guess that's my side. So what do you think? You're not giving an opinion? You're declining to state because of all the lawyers? I thought it seemed off. Oh, okay. I thought the thing she was saying seemed off. She's saying he rubbed people the wrong way, but he had no enemies. She said he didn't owe anyone money except for her, but she wouldn't kill him. And then finally she says, my poor kids. And then she says, I knew a lot of people who didn't really love him, but no one would do this. Like, she's making him look great. I hope no one ever says that about me. But I think that's kind of true, right? I mean, he was difficult. He was difficult. I mean, usually you're supposed to say nice things about someone after they die. But but if they're murdered and you're trying to figure out someone who did it, then you're legitimately racking your brain. Unfortunately, part of her brain is probably taken up with people she already thinks did it in this mm-hmm. case. But she's trying to think of someone else. So she's I think it, she was like, it's going to look way worse if I say he was the nicest guy that everyone loved. If that's not true and it turns out to be not true, that looks weird. Like I'm trying to. Yes, that's true. Who knows? She says. His parents are going to think I did it. Yeah. And I, that actually rang kind of true to me because that, yes, they are. Because it does look like you did it. But those parents specifically are going to think that you did it. Well, considering the custody battle they're having. Yes. So Wendy is a lawyer, but she waves her right to an attorney and she talks for hours. She has no gunshot residue on her. And she says she was at home getting her TV repaired. Remember that for later. I'm sorry. What kind of a lawyer is she? I don't remember. I don't either. Okay. But she's not a divorce attorney, clearly. No. Okay. She says she's kind of playing the dumb girl act a little when she's saying to the cop, 
I couldn't tell from the way you were talking to me if I was a suspect or not. I think she's feels like she's very good at working men. Yeah, have you seen her? She's very pretty. Yeah. She says she's worried that someone she knows did this to protect her since she was fighting with him. That's a strange thing to say right away. Who? You need to be more specific, girl. Who? She thinks it could be anybody because she told everyone how much she hated him and wanted him dead. So first she says it could have been her boyfriend who she just broke up with days before, Jeffrey, a ginger professor. She had asked him for no contact so she could think about it. Okay. Just a few days before. Let's get real. You know what that means, right? Asked him for no contact in a court order that said no contact. No, it was an email. From the court. She filed like a no contact. A restraining order. Correct. So it's not just like, okay, but then we'll work it out. (laughs) It was like, it was a court document. Well, he had become jealous. He was searching her phone. He was not trusting her. Yeah. But it's, that's kind of intense for like your boyfriend. But then you're like, but we're going to talk later. But for now, I'm going to give you a restraining Yeah, a cooling off period. (laughs) It's totally normal. Jeff drives a silver car. She doesn't know what kind because she has car blindness. So police bring in Jeff. Jeff is maybe on coke. It's very amped to be there. Oh, I didn't see that. I think he's just, I think he's an amped guy. He's nodding his head like this. Yeah, I think he's probably real scared. I think he knows that he's probably suspect numero uno. And as they're asking him questions, they're like, I'm sure you know why you're here. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, sure. Yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Um, I'm not saying he did it. Just saying he has intense energy for a ginger social science professor. You're kind of saying he did it, but that's okay. <laughs> so then we meet this guy who created the podcast Over My Dead Body. There we go. Which is maybe our third or fourth podcast on Dateline that is not us. Maybe we need to start actually telling new stories instead of just chewing up Dateline episodes and spitting them out with no new information. I'd be really excited. I have some things to say about a few cases that no one wants to hear. No one wants our opinions. <laughs> we came up with water shoes. We sure freaking did. We've come up with a few things, but water shoes was the thing. The only thing I can actually think of. That's It was the most recent. We've had several, I feel like, over the years. It's fine. I'm not dwelling on it. I thought that that guy, again, I've never seen any of these people in real life. I've only heard them on the podcast. And that podcaster looked different than I expected him to look, which has just... That's let's just round out that that is a fact. That's why I never want to show what we looked like. Yeah, I get it. Because it's the worst feeling in the world seeing podcasters in real life. It's always what you never know what they look. I mean, he's in the vein, I guess, but not quite. I pictured him to kind of look like I don't know what the actor's name was. He plays one of the IT guys in the office. He's kind of a very tall guy. He was on The New Girl. He was one of Zoe Deschanel's boyfriends. I don't know. He's a character actor, but he's very tall. Mm -hmm. He's like six, six with dark hair and thick black glasses. And that's what I picture the podcaster to look like. And he looks nothing like that. So. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. No, he didn't look anything like that. No, not at all. But that's how I pictured it when I heard the podcast. So that's it. Yeah. So Jeffrey said he found out that Wendy had started seeing this other guy again. And he had ran into them in in a restaurant or something. And he didn't say hi, but he saw them. And immediately ran into the bathroom so that he wouldn't cause a scene. But somehow he did cause a scene and she ran into the ladies room. So at this point, both of them are crying in 
their respective bathrooms of this restaurant. And they sound like they're made for each other and also sound like two people I want nothing to do with. (laughs) You love the drama. You love it. God, I hate drunken drama in a bathroom. You would be there. No. You would be there for it. Yeah. The messy drama, the mascara running. You would be there. He says that all men are under Wendy's thumb and they do anything for her. And Dennis Mm -hmm. says that Jeffrey seems straight out of central casting, which maybe needs to go on the bingo cards because he loves that expression. Yeah. So Jeffrey says that Wendy was afraid of Dan, although Wendy told police that Dan was never abusive and she didn't really sound scared of him, which I think she played up to get... For a new boyfriend? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that when you, like, I don't know. I think that she, they went after each other really hard in a divorce. And in order to make herself look better, it has to look like he's a monster, right? Because she's going to want to talk about what's happening in the proceedings to this new boyfriend, who's a lawyer too, right? Yes. No, sociology professor. Okay. Maybe a lawyer. Maybe too. Okay. But you you see what I'm saying. Like, she's going to want him to think that he's a monster. So when she goes after everything he has, all of his assets, she doesn't look like a monster. He's got to be the monster. I think they were both being terrible. Probably. But Dan doesn't sound like he was being that terrible, to be honest. On Twitter, it said that he was fighting because she wouldn't let the boys Skype with him. She was limiting the time that he could Skype with the boys. She was more manipulative with the children, which is way worse than anything that he did. He just wouldn't let her move. Yeah. He said, he being Jeff, says, I'm surprised you didn't bring me in earlier because I must have said a hundred times in public that I wanted to beat Dan up. So. Weird thing to say, man. Really weird thing to say. But he has an alibi, including receipt. So it's not Jeff. It's just twitchy. After the funeral, Wendy moved away with the sons closer to her parents like she wanted to do before. Sounds like she got what she wanted. The day after the funeral. The day after the funeral, she got what she wanted. Mm. Dennis is now driving in the car with Jason. And Jason, my maybe boyfriend, has literally two fingers on the steering wheel. And I was screaming at the TV, Jason, precious cargo, my man, you have Dennis in the car. Ten and two. But But Jason has to be cool. He's a cool cop. Right hand, forefinger, ring finger on the bottom of the steering wheel at like four o'clock. Is it just because he can? And left hand just on his hip. Not in the car, it wasn't. Yes, while he was driving. I did not see that where the other hand was. Oh. It's just laying there. Not like sassy, like a teapot. Yeah, that made it sound like it was sassy. No. That's what it made it sound like. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So police are looking for a Prius on the security cameras outside of Dan's gym, which was where he went before he went home and which is very sad because you don't just don't work out because there's no point you're just going to get murdered right after you go I mean spending your last day on earth eating pizza this has happened a bunch it's happened several times this year where someone is either murdered in the gym parking lot or like like Jim is involved stay away from Jim yeah just stay on your couch you're not going to die unless it's from the postmates guy and you'll be safe So you might die of heart disease. I was just going to say. Yeah. So the police look for this Prius and they find a Prius. It's driving in circles around the gym. And then when Dan leaves the gym and drives home, it tails him. 
So they can't get a license plate number because the security footage is not good enough. But then a cop has a brilliant idea, which I don't think I've ever seen on Dateline. I thought this was very smart. City buses have cameras on them. So he gets the footage from all the city buses that drive routes in that area around that time. Clever. Smart. Kid, you see? I don't know what I'm doing. And they find the Prius. And they can tell if there's two people in the car. They still can't get the license plate, though. Come on. (sighs) But they find out the exact color and approximate year. But there's hundreds of these Priuses. So a year passes and cops are struggling to get answers. They're swimming through a sea of silver Priuses. The color killed me. I couldn't deal with it. They said it a thousand times. Silver Pine Mica Prius. Silver Pine Mica. That's the name of the silver. It's called Silver Pine Mica. Is that like Formica? I think it's like, I think it's frosty green. Is Mica a thing? I don't know. Maybe that's just what they call the metallic cars. They call it Mica. Because mica powders are metallic. Minka? Kelly? No, mica. Have you never heard of mica? I've heard of formica. Maybe formica is made from mica. But regardless, the silver pine mica is, they said it a thousand times. I, I was like, stop saying it. Stop. I swear they said it like at least a dozen times. At least a dozen times? Enough times for me to notice. And be like, all right. I only heard it once. I'm going to go back now. I, well, then I'm probably wrong. Maybe I just kept hearing it in my brain because I was like, silver pine. Cars companies come up with the fanciest names for things. They really do. But they this was overdone. Just call it frosty green. Winter fresh. Winter fresh color. Kia's new rough hewn brown. Yes, I'm not kidding. Rough hewn rust. That's what it would be. And it's just brown. Uh-huh. Get out of here with that. Mm-hmm. Nobody has time for that. So while the cops are swimming in a sea of silver, pine, mica, Priuses. There we go. That's how I felt dealing with my stomach issues and trying to get answers online and getting advice from people who kept telling me it was just anxiety and I knew it wasn't. and It was annoying. And I hated not having the answers until I found Everly Well and found the answers. Everly Well offers over 30 at-home lab tests like food sensitivity, which is the one I took. And I found out I'm sensitive to a million delicious foods. It's very sad. I did a 30-day elimination diet and I felt so much better. And Everly Well walked me through the whole thing. Like I could email them questions all the time and it didn't drive them crazy. And they wrote me back and explained things to me. It made it much less overwhelming. And I was just so glad to have answers. And then they also have thyroid health, heart health, indoor and outdoor allergies, which is the one I'm trying next because my allergies have been insane. What did you order? I ordered heart health. Excellent. Yes. I've had some heart issues in the last couple of years and I figure let's give it a shot. Because it's too big. Don't try to be nice. I was trying to give you a compliment. That's not true. Get right. Get out of here. I know. And it didn't sound right. So keep going. I can't sound sincere. Everly Well tests are shipped to your door with easy to follow instructions. And you send back your sample and it's processed in a certified lab. It's reviewed by a board certified physician. And then the results are sent to you digitally within just a few days. It's really an amazing process. I'm really glad I found them. And I plan to work my way through all of the tests, I think, because I love having answers about myself. And it's really easy to use, too. I love that. It really is. So for 20% off an Everly Well at-home test, visit everlywell.com forward slash date dateline and enter the code date dateline. That's everlywell, E-V-E-R-L-Y-W-E-L-L.com forward slash date dateline. 
and enter code date dateline for 20% off your test. Everlywell at home tests, your answers your way. Woo! Good health for everly one. Excellent. Foreverly. Well. Well? Can we end with a question? Well? Well. Well. Statement. <laughs> Love it. Statement. Did yes. it. Yes. We're yeah. going to work on it, Everly Well. We're just getting started. Oh, yeah. We're just getting going. Yeah. We're going to get there. We're really excited to be working with you. Absolutely. Check them out, guys. You won't regret it. So the cops figure out something. On the window of the Prius, there's a toll road pass. So they go through the toll roads and they find a Prius that used a sun pass at the time of Dan's murder. Not just any Prius, though. A silver pine mica Prius. <laughs> See, it's ridiculous when you hear it over and over again. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so, and now I don't feel like I didn't have to work so hard to do titles because it's just it's right there. That's it. The case of the silver fine mica Prius. That's just done. So the Sun Pass is registered to a rental car place, which was confusing to me because I wouldn't think you could rent a car that had a toll road pass on it. We don't live in that kind of a place, though. I mean, I have a toll road pass. But not as many as over there. I'm always shocked. Yeah, maybe. Like, so many roads have tolls. And so I think it's more, I don't know. I feel like it's more common. I mean, that's a nice perk of getting the rental car. I would drive those toll roads just back and forth. I would get off at the first exit and go back, back again. But I guarantee you, you have to pay for that. You got to pay before. It's like, do you want the one with the toll pass or no? And you have to go, oh, gosh, I don't, oh. Like, you have to decide. And it's like. A toll road thing is like a decision you make the day of if you're running late or if you're feeling stressed. So it's hard to decide in advance, I feel like. So what was what were these guys thinking? We don't we're not paying for it, so it doesn't matter. Get all the perks. We're going to a murder. Time is life. What if we miss our murder window because we took five extra minutes on the non toll road? Yeah. Or they just weren't paying for it. And so it didn't really matter. Yeah. It's not their money. Or if they did, they're like, we are flush with all this hit money cash. Yep. I'm going to treat myself to a toll road. A toll road or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a toll baron for the road. <laughs> toll baron for the toll road. Uh, the car rental. There should be a, a company that really, they should market those together. They should come up with something. I don't want to have to do all the work for you here, guys. <laughs> I'm tired of it. Thanks. It's exhausting being in Katie's head, you guys. I have other things to do. (laughs) The car rental was rented to a Luis Rivera, and then it also had written on it the word brother and another phone number. Hey, brother. (laughs) Hey, Sigfredo. What do you go by? Did he go by? He had to go by Fredo, right? I thought he goes by Tuto or Tutti or Tutti. Tutu or Toto, one of those. I think it's Tuto, but I would call him Siggy. Yeah, Siggy or Fredo. Or Fredo. But does that but have Fredo a bad... Fredo is the really bad one. From the Godfather. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't want to be him. Yeah. So they fought, figure out who Luis and Sigfredo are. They're both criminals. Luis is in a gang called the Latin Kings. And the date of the homicide, Luis and Sigfredo drive up to an ATM in the Prius so they can place them in the Prius and the police arrest them. They plead not guilty. But why would they drive 500 miles to kill someone they didn't know? 
Well, I would drive 500 miles to kill someone that I didn't know. If that someone cut in front of me in a Starbucks line yesterday, she knows who she is. Someone cut in front of you? I gave her a dirty look. She cut in front of you on purpose? She made it sound like she didn't mean to. It was in the drive-thru line. What do you mean made it sound like you yelled out your window? No, because I gave her a look through my very dirty window, so I'm sure she saw nothing. And she kind of saw me and she made no gesture. But I read from her energy. I just wasn't paying attention. And then what do you do? So here's the question. And then the line took like an hour. What do you do if you accidentally do that? My thought is you pay for that person's drink that you cut off in line. Oh, that's classy. That's classy, right? That's what you do. You're like, I cut them off. Can you get their drinks for me? Here's $10 towards whatever they order. That is delightful. What a way to pay it forward and to make someone's day after. After you were kind of a jerk on accident. I don't let things like that ruin my day. But if I did, it would have ruined my day. Police think it was a murder for hire. No, Dolly. Yeah. After the murder, these guys bought themselves new motorcycles. At this point, I wanted to remember which dateline it was where the murder for hire cost 10 grand and a bicycle. But we thought it was a cycle. When they said cycle, we thought it was a motorcycle, but it was like a Schwinn. They kept saying bike and we're like, motorcycle. Nope. No, ma'am. Nope. It was like a little 10 speed. Yep. So I went to our website created by the beautiful Grace Biasco and went to the spreadsheet created by the beautiful Liv. And I found out that that episode was A House in the Woods, which took place in the Finger Lakes. So So this was a long winded way for you to get to say Finger Lakes again. And to plug our website. And to, okay, well, I'm fine with that part. It's the other part that I'm suspicious of. I have ruined Finger Lakes for people who live there. Yeah. People who live there have written and said, now every time I say where I live, I start laughing. Sorry. You owe them a Starbucks. I do. I owe a lot of people Starbucks. So if someone wants to go to our website, though, and update the price of a hitman in this episode, feel free. How, what was it again? Well, we haven't found out yet, but it's 35 grand. But that was what the off payment was for the secondary guy. We don't really ever get to find out for the main payment. So it is enough to buy cars and motorcycles and more. We'll find out about the more. So who was the paymaster? Dennis keeps saying that word. I don't like it. Yeah, it sounds like a credit card machine. The paymaster. To me, it sounds like a, the promaster. What's a promaster? A fishing rod? No, it's a van because I'm always looking into van life. Is a ProMaster a good van for van life or a bad van? It's a good van for van life. Okay. But I don't like Paymaster. Maybe because Dennis did the Master Bob episode about the BDSM in the sex dungeon. That's 100% why. Yeah. Okay. So who do we think the Paymaster was? The Adelsons? Wendy's family? I wrote no doy, just like Katie said two seconds ago. No doy. Because obviously. So Wendy's mother, Donna, the dentist, encouraged Wendy to go and fight dirty. In an email to Wendy, she wrote, she wrote a lot of stuff in this email. It's nothing like leaving a paper trail. She said, hi, honey, which is a nice way to start this sort of email. It's time for action. Let's show this F what will make him absolutely miserable the rest of your life and consequently dad's, mine, and yes, even Charlie's. That seemed like a little guilt trip, a little Jewish mother guilt trip. A little? Will be affected by how well you can perform. 
You can be a good actress when you want to. I've seen you in action, which makes me even more suspicious of her crying tears in the interrogation, to be honest. Oh. Right? Yeah. I more thought it was like a mother's dig of remember when you lied to me in ninth grade and I'll never let it go. (laughs) And I'm bringing it up again here when it's important because I need to use it for my advantage. Yeah. I don't know. By the way, that mom's not a dentist. That mom's a, she works in the office. The dad's a dentist. Oh, I thought they were all dentists. They are not. They made it sound like that. Dad and Charlie are dentists. Also, how many people do they say are in the Adelson family? I don't know. They make it seem like there's only them. Yeah, there's one more son. I don't think they mention him in the state line at all, but he is the main interview of Over My Dead Body, the oldest brother. He's got a lot to say about his family. It's real good. Ooh, so he doesn't like his family? I don't think he likes their antics. Does he think they are in on it? Yeah, maybe not in so many words, but... But he hints? That sounds pretty good. I mean, he doesn't speak with them. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So Donna said, just offer him a million dollars to give up the kids. So the plan that she had come up with is that Donna and the dad would pay part of it. Wendy would pay part of it and Charlie would pay part of it. They would each pay like 333,000. They sound at this point so much like Elizabeth's parents on 90 Day Fiance, who also live in Florida, and their son's name is Charlie. So Dan had filed in the court for the grandkids not to go spend unsupervised time with Donna. No shocker, because she's clearly going to poison the kids' minds against him. So Wendy said, even in her, and maybe the podcast gives a different view about that, the dateline was pretty one-sided. It seemed very reasonable to me that Dan would want that, considering these emails show what kind of person Donna is. Well, the kids were coming home and saying things like, grandma hates you and you're a bad person and et cetera, et cetera, to their dad. So yeah, that's going to do it. Yeah. But like, how stupid are you? You know how the law works. You know he's a lawyer. You know he's going to go file an injunction to get you to stop having contact with them. Like, why would you guys do that? To me, it shows they have no impulse control, that they just couldn't even control themselves and they didn't even care. They're just... Well, yeah, we want what we want. We want it now. Yep. There uh-huh, we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Wendy even said in her interrogation, my parents have more reason to hate Dan than anyone. Again, Wendy is a lawyer. She has to know that saying all this stuff is not smart. Or she's being super smart. Or she's being super smart by pointing the cops in the very direction that they wouldn't want them to go. And then they'll go there and there might not be enough evidence. But Or she legitimately thinks they have nothing to do with it. She would have to be the dumbest person alive because of the thing with Charlie. No, she just has family blindness. We see it over and over again. People like can't see the forest for the trees. They can't see what's right in front of them because it's been in front of them their whole lives. So no, her family to her is this way and will not be told differently. I know a lot of people like that. That is just the way it is. Even though they've joked about it. Yeah. I don't think she would say it if she thought it was serious. She's a lawyer. I know. That's why I can't believe it. I think she's just saying it because she still believes there's absolutely no way that they did it. I'm not kidding. I think that's it. It's stupid. But yeah, no, she's just kind of blind to her own family's faults. It's rough. It's rough to see. So the police aren't sure what to do. They're very prominent dentists in the community. They even have a commercial where a very non-charismatic Charlie talks about, 
I don't know, like making the world smile or some crap like that, like giving people their smiles. But look at the camera, man. He keeps like looking off to the, what's he looking at the boom? He keeps like looking off to the corner. (laughs) I was like, is there a spider up there? What are you looking at? (laughs) Like you could not figure it out. It's driving me crazy. He just is like grease ball from the inside out. Just slimy to me. Just, and thinks he's hot stuff on the town. He drives. Oh my God. Are we at that part? He drives this the flashy single world in a sports car with the license plate that says Maestro. Oh my god! So you know, explain it to me though. Am I stupid? What What does that mean? I think he thinks he's a love maestro. Is that what it means? Because that's the only thing that I could think of, and it upset me because I'm waiting for us to hear that he's like very musically inclined, or there is a reason that he would. No, he's just a dentist. He's a periodontist. He plays. He plays women like a fiddle. I'm just, disgu- I'm going to throw up. It's gross. That's barf-tastic. That's terrible. It also reminds me of the Seinfeld where Elaine was dating an actual maestro, but he insisted that he be called maestro. Like, hey, maestro. Really? Even in bed all the time. Oh, sweet Lord. Okay. Yeah. Also, Charlie has a grotto at his house. So is grotto an instant no? Like, I'm a DJ. Come on. What do you think? I think Yes. I think I'm adding it to the list of instant notes. I'm going to say I'm going to add it to a pre-list where like if you get to the point where the person you're talking to says they had a grotto, you missed five signs before that. That was like (laughs) that was for you to leave. Right. If you're getting to the point Mm -hmm. where they've said grotto, you'd be like, oh, man, I I was supposed to leave 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh You've missed all the signs and you're still standing there for some reason. No. So Wendy said in her interrogation. My brother made this joke. I looked into getting you a hitman, but this TV was cheaper. It was just a joke. He would never. This is what you wanted to come back to with the TV. He just made that joke. Right. Did he get her a really crappy used TV that broke already in like a week? No, no, no. He got her a new TV. But she was having a TV repaired the day of the murder. No, I think she was having someone come out and install it. She said repair. TV repairman means like installer. She just said the wrong word. Like she was having a TV person. She's having the new TV installed. Yes. Or like her sound wasn't like synced up to the TV. She was having someone come out and work with the TV, the new fancy TV. I buy that. So police invite the nervous ginger boyfriend back to talk. And he says, I don't know. I'm nervous because I can just see it on Dateline. And I'm like presented as one of the pseudo suspects. Yep, you are. Oh, my gosh. I loved that. And at that point, I was like, well, maybe he is all right because he references Dateline. He watches Dateline. Yeah, maybe that's why he's so nervous. Is he going to listen to this episode? What's up, Jeffrey? You did fine. And I cut the part where Kimberly said you were on cocaine. So (laughs) I did. I thought he was cute. So, yeah, you better kiss up. I love a ginger and I don't mind cocaine energy. That's fine. So he says, I'm a pseudo suspect. And the cop says, oh, I don't think they're going to do that. Well, you were wrong. He says that Charlie had looked into hiring a hitman and it would cost about 15 grand. So and Wendy told him this. That's not that's that seems low. This is the oh, well, that's super low. And also, I think Charlie can afford 15 grand. So he could have gotten that instead of the TV. But the weird part is that I don't believe that Wendy did not think that he was capable of this because it is not a joke 
I looked into a hitman, but it was too expensive. So I got this TV. It is, I looked into a hitman and it would cost about 15 grand. So instead I got you this TV. It is like a specific. You're correct. Fact. That's a number thrown out. You're totally right. That's not a joke. And Wendy told her boyfriend that. And I think she knows. I totally think she knows because I don't think she thought it was a joke. I really wish that I feel like she could have stopped this. I really wish she would have said, hey, I would really be upset if something happened to the father of my children. I think she led it along or I think she knew about it and decided to look the other way. And she knew what they were planning That's to do. That's a big question in all of this. Yeah, we'll get to it. I, it. How much did Wendy know? And But see, you don't seem to think she knew or about anything. I don't have any proof that she did. I have gut feelings that she had a gut feeling, but I don't think she was involved in the planning as of this point. No, I don't. But you said you thought she had family blindness. But I think she does have family blindness and purposeful family blindness. Because she knows something deep down. Yes, she's ignoring that something might go down when she can stop it. She's not telling them to knock it off. And I think she probably did have enough power to tell them to knock it off. She's the mom. She had enough power and she didn't. So she reminds me of several other women on the show who to every man in their life complains about this man. And then when he winds up dead by one of these men, she's like, I didn't tell him to do it. I believe she was maybe fishing for any of her boyfriends to pull something like that. Yes, there's a good chance of that. Her brother was the one who would do it. Well, then we have a lot. That's a whole other question. (laughs) So her boyfriend, I mean, brother. Right. I know what you meant. But 15 grand does not seem like a lot for Charlie, considering the car and the grotto, etc. So... Luis Romero agrees to talk for a plea deal. He says, I'm a jack boy. Didn't know that expression. I made you a t-shirt. Made me laugh. Okay. <laughs> will you wear it? I know you hate it when I get you clothes, but maybe you'll wear it. I one. will. If it says, I'm a jack boy. Yeah. He says, I rob drug dealers. Which is, I guess, what jack boys do. Sweet Lord. That means he's dangerous. Like, extra danger. He thought that that's what they were doing. But Sigfredo said they were killing this guy and Luis would get 35000 He says that somebody was hiring Sigfredo to do this. And Sigfredo thought that murdering someone is more of a buddy activity, like playing tennis or riding a tandem bicycle. And he was like, I need a friend. So he had Luis come with him. Turns out that they use Luis's gun, though. Interesting. Yeah. So they follow Dan to the gym and then to home and then they shoot him. And they dump the gun by a bridge. The police go to bridges and they try to find the gun, but they can't. They drive as far as Alligator Alley. I would like to go see Alligator Alley if we go to Florida. We will. I'm picturing a promenade where alligators sell acai bowls and artisanal candles. <laughs> Am I right? Yes. And there are, there's a, they sell capes and wands as well. <laughs> it's a secret and you, you can only get there. It's a secret. You have to go to this special swamp and knock three times on an Everglade. And there you go. <laughs> Luis says that Sigmund Freud was killing him because this lady wanted custody of her two kids. It's all pretty clear what's happening. Mm-hmm. But there's someone else that was involved. Katie. What? Katie? What? Do you have something you want to tell me? Katie. I did not have any relations with that Florida family. 
I don't know why I came up with that one. That's an old reference, but you're welcome. You're welcome, America. After the shooting, Sig called his common law wife, Katie. What? Was that shade? What? To say common law? The way Dennis said common law wife. I think they're trying to set us up so we know that, like, they've been together for a minute. Mm -hmm. This is about to get serious and we're going to find out some information. Like, I felt like that was a setup because I was like, oh, we don't hear common law a lot. We hear live in boyfriend, live in girlfriend. But it's a big those are big words, Dennis. So it's also Sig Siegfried and Royce. Alfredo is the father to Katie's children. Yes. And so baby daddy, baby daddy, baby daddy, common law hubby. Exactly. And he says he calls her. This is what Louise says. He's dead. It's done. Make sure you have my money. And Louise heard Katie on the other line saying, "Okay, good. Also, I love you. Also, don't forget to take your pills. (laughs) Also, can you pick up my shirt from the dry cleaner? So (laughs) never hurts to say I love you, even if you're in the middle of a kill for tire. That's when you should be saying it. You need that other person on your team. You need Katie to remain loyal. Mm -hmm. Whoops. But still. So the cops already know who Katie was because she's employed at many places, a dental practice, a retail office, a bar. I feel like they were throwing her shade, but I was just like, she's a hustler. Good for her. So all of a sudden, though, her meager little bank account got very high, like a hundred grand in the period of a year. So after the murder, Louis says that Sig and Katie delivered a bag full of money to him. 35 grand. I'm really sorry. She's with Sig or she's with Louis? She's with Sig. Thank you. Sigmund okay. Freud. Got it. They bought cars and cycles and they went on trips and they paid rent for their family. I thought that was very nice. That's what you're supposed to do when you win the lottery. You're supposed to buy all of your family and your best friend's houses. Are you paying attention? I'm still waiting. Okay. Saying for I, that boat, I'm waiting for. I I'm telling you to pay attention because you were the one that was going to start playing the numbers every week. You, we had talked about was, it, and now you're not doing it. Obviously, I totally forgot. So now you're putting my future in jeopardy by not playing the lottery, and I don't appreciate it. So Katie was getting a paycheck from the Adelsons from the dental office, but no one at the dental office knew what she did or why she was there. Who was she? She wasn't there. She wasn't there. She was never there. So it's very odd. She was getting like $400 a week. That's not a lot. I'm just going to say that. I was like 400 or 4000 No, because Dennis said 400 and some change. So they're trying to make it seem like that's a normal assistant salary for someone who's not a hygienist. For someone who doesn't work at the office, though. It is quite a bit for someone who's actually not working there. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. So I immediately start thinking baby mama, like the family is paying off this Charlie's baby mama and doing it through the company. That's what I was thinking. Oh, that Charlie had a baby with her? Yes. I think those children should have their DNA tested because I don't know if Sig is the father. Oh, God. The checks to Katie are all signed by Donna, the mom. So she is the, Katie is the recent girlfriend of Charlie, but also the common law wife of Sig. And Dennis says, boy, that's straddling two worlds. Dennis, come on now. He said straddle. Straddle. Yeah. I, I didn't say anything for once. You said something. 
but we all heard it. It was the straddle heard around the world. So, I mean, we definitely all knew it was there. I'm not going to just let it slide. So we have a love triangle between Katie and Sigfredo and Charlie. And I don't know who to tell to raise their standard. They seem like very different dudes. They can all do better. I feel like they're all could do better in that scenario. Yeah, I'd, yeah, kind of. I'm going to say Katie, raise your standards because the guys are real crumbs. Like those are bad dudes. Both of them are equally bad in different ways. But why would you date someone whose license plate said maestro and had a grotto? She's rich. But the fact that she's not choosing that guy over her robbery incarcerated boyfriend makes me think Charlie is also just real dumb and real annoying, which we do learn more about in trial. There's one thing in specific that is just so Charlie. I also have some outside information that's going to ruin your day. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So she's also driving a car that the Adelsons gave her. Is it a Silver Pine Mica Prius? No, we already found that one. That was the rental car. Okay, never mind. It was a Lexus? Yeah, like an old Lexus, I think. You know whose old Lexus it was? The dad's, I thought. Yeah, it is. It's the dad's. She bought it from the dad. How terrible is that? Like, it's so obvious, I feel like, that you have, like, this weird connection to the, I don't know. Yes, it's very weird, which is, again, why I keep thinking baby mama or, oh, I just thought of something else. It's not baby mama. Why do you, why are you going for the children? They don't want her to be baby mama. What? Here, I'm throwing this out there. Okay. Charlie got this girl pregnant. Charlie's always getting himself into trouble. The parents always pay to clean up his messes. Okay. They are paying Katie off to clean up this mess. That's not going to be $400 a week for months. Sorry. You don't think so? No. Maybe they don't, they're not good attorneys. They're not good at managing money. Oh, for goodness. They're not attorneys. They're dentists. $400 a week in a used car. Yeah. No, absolutely not. That's too much. That's too much? Yes. To pay her off? What if she knows some dirty sex secrets of Charlie, too? No. None of this is correct. Dateline doesn't give us enough information, I feel like, for you to be making these wild accusations. No, it's just how I feel. No, I'm throwing your ideas back at you. I don't think those are right. No, Katie's definitely, there's something, Katie has a criminal element to her. I just don't know how severe it is. I don't know what it is. You don't think she's holding something? What's, why are they paying her all this money? Because they hired her to find the hitman to kill Dan. But you don't think this was going on before? It seemed like they were paying her for a while. Not before the thing happened. How I feel like it was. But I guess I'm wrong. The money started after. The money, the the influx in the bank account happens about a week after the murder. In Katie's bank account? Katie's bank account. Katie's money. What happened six months before the murder? I wasn't there. What? (laughs) What do you mean? Was something happened? Yes, there was a failed hit six months before. Oh, that's right. That's right. So maybe she was getting paid all along, but she's the connect because they came down once before and couldn't complete the hit because they couldn't find Dan because of question mark. I don't know why they couldn't find him. I have a theory about that. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. But then, no, I don't think that they were paying her off for something to do with Dan. I think this has everything to do with the murder and nothing else. He just was dating this girl and felt like her. She knows she's has a 
baby daddy at home who's a criminal so she can find criminal people. Correct. And maybe started dating her because of that fact. That's the better question. And these gals, too. What is this gal? These gals. Oh, those gals. Well, he helped those gals show up. So Charlie paid for half of her boob job. Yes, her breast augmentation, as they nicely put it in Dateline, but you so rudely called a boob job. I'm sorry. Dennis says it was done in Florida by Dr. Boobner. (laughs) That's not Kimberly saying that. That's Dennis saying that and Dateline. Well, that's true. He said Boobner, but he didn't say boob job. But yes, she did have, she had some additions to her person. My dad would say the left one or the right one. What? What's that mean? Pay for half of the boob job. Oh, the left one. The right one. Yeah, she had to get the left one first and then went back two months later. Yeah. Got the right one. By the doctor who's who proudly calls himself Dr. Boobner. I feel like that's the guy you want to go to, though. You want to go to the guy that's done it a hundred times. I looked him up. Apparently, he's great. Great reviews. That's who you want to go to. You want to go to the person that that's their specialty and they're good at it because they know what they're doing. So then the podcaster comes back on and I forgot who he was and he repeats everything that we already knew. But I liked that they kept trying to involve him. He was great. He was really nice. I was excited for him to get to be on Dateline because I would love to be on a Dateline episode. (laughs) So investigators decide to put a squeeze on the family. They send this FBI agent undercover, and in the video, we see this scary voice modulator. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. But in real life, he didn't do it, because that would be even funnier if he approached Donna, the mom on the street, with that voice. Hi, Donna. (laughs) I have something to give you. (laughs) I know your family's been taking care of Katie and her friend, Toto, and Hmm? they took care of your friend, your problem up north. I think it's really funny that people in Florida would call a different part of Florida up north, but I guess it's up north. I don't know. It just sounds funny to me. It is funny. And it's a little snotty. You're not taking care of my brother. He's in jail and he helped you guys. So implying it's Luis and we need more money, basically. And Donna says, I don't know what you're talking about. And the guy says, this letter will explain it. And I was like, I wanted him to say, I write more eloquently than I speak. I stumble over my words in person. But I'm beautiful at prose. I wanted him to hand her just one letter. It's like the letter R. (laughs) This dateline is brought to you by the letter H for Hitman. This letter will explain everything. And it's one letter on a piece of paper just really big printed (laughs) out. That would be amazing if that happened one time. That would be a good spoof thing. We got to remember that one. Okay. So they tap Donna's phone and right away she calls Charlie and she says, I got some paperwork delivered to me. And she says, it involves the two of us. She's talking very vague. It's like she might, she maybe thinks they're being tapped. She says. Oh, it's pretty good. She does a good job for a mom. Good job, Donna. Yeah, She's like, you probably have a general idea what I'm talking about. But dumb, dumb Charlie breaks the vagueness and goes, Do you think someone's trying to blackmail you? I was like, Charlie. No, I think that's okay. I think he's trying to, I think he knows that that's not proof of anything, right? I don't think he's thinking that far ahead. I think he's just dumb. All right, well. And then she says, maybe, and he goes, no, like, no, mom. Yeah, he does do that. You're crazy. No. So the next few days, Charlie and Katie talk a lot, and they are tapped. 
but they're being super vague, saying things like talking in real estate terms. Good property comes up all the time. We need the business. It's like they're talking in code. Very strange. I have some more stuff on that, like some more conversation stuff, because the code is real intense. It gets real crazy. So they meet at a restaurant, a loud restaurant being surveilled, and they discuss how to proceed. And there's an undercover cop taping them. Charlie says to Katie, you better find out who this guy is and you better kill him because he's going to be a big problem. If you don't, I'll find someone else to do it. What is Katie's not going around killing people, is she? Why did he think Katie was going to kill someone? Why were they talking so vague on the phone and then in the middle of a public restaurant say things like, you better kill this guy? Because they are in a public restaurant and he's seen a lot of Scarface or whatever, Goodfellas, and thinks that if you're in a public restaurant, they can't catch you on tape. People are way too comfortable at Olive Garden's. How are they catching them on tape? There are guys sitting right around the corner and you can see the video and then they have a lady who transcribes it. Oh, okay. I missed that. All right. People are just way too comfortable at Olive Gardens and other loud restaurants discussing murder. True. Do you need to discuss a murder plot and there are too many prying ears at the local restaurant? Probably. Get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered straight to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store, which is also another not safe place to discuss a murder for hire, and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can save 40% by using HelloFresh versus shopping at your local grocery store. And it's more convenient, too. You'll save so much money that you can afford both the Hitman and the TV. No need to choose between them anymore. There's something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, kid-friendly recipes. I just made the curry spiced chickpea bowls, and I could make a couple little alterations, and I made it fit my weird food sensitivity diet that I'm on right now, and it was so delicious, and it felt so good to eat real hearty food that I know exactly what the ingredients are because I made it myself, and it was really easy, and I get this weird sense of pride when I actually cook something instead of the usual feeling of shame that normally surrounds my food choices. You can feel good about going with HelloFresh for a couple reasons. Since they offset their operations, travel, and shipping emissions, HelloFresh's carbon footprint is 25% lower than store-bought grocery-made meals. That's amazing. I know. And because they've taken extra steps to keep their employees and customers safe, including contactless delivery, tamper-proof packaging, and team member wellness checks. Up next, I am going to be cooking the Tuscan chickpea kale and tomato soup. I cannot wait to pretend that it is cold and fall time outside and I'm all cozy inside with soup, even though it's 97 degrees here. The temperature is dropping really low next week. Just hold on for a few more days and then make it. Okay, next week, soup week. Yeah, it's going to be great. Everything I've ever had from HelloFresh is absolutely delicious, guys. I've never had a bad one. I've never had like a, oh, that was just okay. It's always amazing. Such good food. Go to HelloFresh.com forward slash Dateline80 and use code Dateline80 to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. So again, that's HelloFresh.com forward slash Dateline80 and use code Dateline80 to get $80 off your first five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. Ring, 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 ring. Hello. 
fresh. <laughs> I like that you did the phone gesture too. That's even better. That you actually, y'all, she actually picked up the phone with her thumb and her pinky. Hello? It was an old rotary phone. Yeah, it too. was. Click. Hello? Operator, please put me through to KL523 Vermont Avenue. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I feel like it's something like that. That was really good, actually. That sounded legit. I like that. Okay. Good job. Thank you, HelloFresh. We're so excited. So the prosecutors feel like they need more to get the Adelsons. Why? I mean, I guess they have nothing. I feel like they have nothing, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, they have it. It's obviously them, but I guess they have nothing. I'm going to tell you straight up, the podcast goes into this a little, but not enough to my liking. So somebody, I feel like somebody somewhere is pulling strings and I don't know who it is or what's happening. Is it possible that Adelson's have paid off people in that their area? I didn't say that, but yes. Okay. That's what I'm thinking, because why else? It's bananas to me. So Katie and Sig are on trial together. So romantic. (laughs) Luis on the stand says that they, this was where we learned that they had gone to find Dan six months earlier to kill him, but they couldn't find him, which was like, did they not have an address? Were they just driving around trying to find him? And why did it take them six months to get the address? To go back. These are really good questions. Does Dan live in the Order of the Phoenix house that is covered by a cloaking spell? Because that's the only thing that makes sense. Could be that. I don't understand. Because there's no other explanation. So Obviously, uh, the family has the address. Charlie could easily give it to them. It seems like a ruse to get more money. And from what we hear later, or maybe we don't hear it in Dateline, but I feel like because they were on a bunch of drugs when they were doing this. I feel like maybe it's the hee-haw gang all over again. And I they was went, just going to say that. Yeah, they went with cash, bought drugs, and then kind of didn't do what they were supposed to do. Right. That's what I think probably happened. Pro tip to anyone out there, if you've hired a group to kill someone and they keep coming back with excuse after excuse, and you think, well, I can't start fresh with a new group of killers. I have to keep riding this horse and keep giving them more money and more money. Just cut ties. Find a new group of killers. But can you? I mean, it's not like the Adelsons have a lot of connections. They've got poor Katie, and she's got Siggy, or Louise. I don't know which one she has. One of them. Sig. Siggy. Yeah, Siggy. Stardust. And so what's she going to (laughs) do? That's it. That's what they got. I feel like Charlie knows a lot of other people around town at these clubs he goes to, because I'm imagining he goes clubbing a lot. I'm picturing going clubbing every weekend. He's talking to the bouncers. I feel like he could find somebody. I'm picturing him maybe doing recreational Miami drugs on the weekend. And so maybe has some contact with a few drug dealers. 1000%. Okay. So the Adelsons still haven't been charged. Dennis quotes Latin qui bono, who benefited, which is an expression I've totally heard of. And I'm not going through that rough hewn embarrassment again. It's a yay all the way around. So the money that Luis got from Sig and Katie was stapled in stacks. I don't, it's really weird. And it's the thing my cousin Randy and my aunt Sandy wanted me to do this episode so much. They go, ask Katie what they think about the stapling of the money. We don't understand. I don't understand either. Is it a drug thing? I Googled it and couldn't find anything. It just makes the money harder to get apart. You could run the risk of ripping it. 
They just stapled it in the top corner. You can still rip it. Who wants rip money? Well, yeah, you just go like that. And then you just rip the corner, but you can still use it. It has to be half ripped in order to not be able to use the bill. Right, but doesn't that look suspicious? You keep spending money all over town that's all ripped in one corner? Maybe they're trying to do money management for these two gentlemen. And so they're like, maybe this will make you spend it slower. (laughs) Because you have to rip it. (laughs) One at a time. Yeah. Maybe it's like that. I feel like they saw it in a movie somewhere and it's not a movie we're familiar with, but that's how they thought it was done. I have a very strong suspicion. But again, I Googled it. I couldn't find anything about money being stapled. Because DNA on rubber bands, who the heck knows? I don't know what they were thinking. It's strange. If anyone has a theory, please let us know. Yeah, it seems like a weird way to do it. That's for sure. So I'm sorry, Randy and Sandy, that we don't have better answers for you. Charles's ex-girlfriend, not Katie, different one, Charlie. Why did I call him Charles? I don't Charlie's know. Charlie's because... ex-girlfriend takes the stand and she says that she saw stacks like that that were stapled at Charlie's house. So Charlie saw it in a movie or a show. Exactly. But that is something they have the police, but I guess that could just be a coincidence and it's really not proof of anything. She also said that Charlie was nervous and not himself and he was sleeping with a gun, but that that was usual for him. No big deal. Most dentists sleep with guns, I guess. That's weird. And then the ginger boyfriend takes the stand to say that he knew that Charlie was looking to find a hitman and that it would cost $15,000 and that that was a week before the murder. Very confused about that because... They had already gone six months before that to go look for Dan. So I'm just a little confused about the timeline there. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that's right. I don't feel like it was six months earlier. I didn't write that down, but I didn't think it was like that. I thought it was like a week before they had tried. And then the week later they came back. Maybe it was six weeks. Still too long. No, it makes a bigger difference if it's fast. We now find out that Wendy is taking the stand because we see her doing it. So that was the weirdest way I could have phrased that. She (laughs) is given immunity to testify. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Yeah. They don't think she did anything, and I'm not sure either. But she might just be real good. She might just be real good. Yeah. She says she wasn't involved at all in the plot. She says, apropos to nothing, that she had a nickname for Danny when he was being difficult. Jibbers. It just sounds so dangerously close to a racial slur that I would prefer not to comment on it. Yeah, it's a nickname she gave him to make him appear less threatening to her, to make her feel better, which I don't understand because to me, Jibbers freaks me the F out. Yeah. Mr. Jibbers is a ventriloquist that is going to come into your room 1000% kill you and wear your skin. No, he's coming in your room and he's an evil dentist, Dr. Jibbers, and he's going to take all your teeth. He's going to pull them out with no anesthetic and wear around his neck. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mr. Jibbers is not at all a comforting, oh, Mr. Jibbers. No, Mr. Jibbers. We added the Mr. and the doctor, to be fair. But Jibbers without introductory name is still creepy. That's not good. So she knew Wendy through, I'm sorry, Wendy knew Katie through Charlie and they show a picture of them together like it's the most scandalous thing in the world. She was dating Charlie and getting paid by the family to do something. It's not that weird that Wendy knew her. But they're good friends. That's the point. Well, are they good friends? Yeah. Wendy and Katie? Yeah. 
They were like hanging out at the beach together and stuff. I thought it was more like a family trip to the beach. And so they had their picture taken. I don't think so. They were like lying on the beach together, looking like they were getting sun together. But does that make you think Wendy is guilty because she knew Katie? It doesn't help that I think she was better friends with the family because I think this family is bad. I think that Katie maybe would have been wanting to help if she knew that he was having a really rough time and telling people that Jibbers was really scary and stuff. Then Katie would have been more willing to set her up with her murderous common-law husband. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I thought. I don't know. Wendy was very measured on the stand. Unflappable. She doesn't know who killed Dan. She doesn't think her brother had anything to do with it. She thought he was just joking about the hitman and bought her the TV instead. But then, best thing in the episode for me, was that she said he used to make the same jokes a lot and they weren't very funny. So now we know why Katie had a hard time choosing between her criminal boyfriend and this really rich dentist. But you knew that. You could tell that from looking at Charlie. Charlie thinks he's amazingly funny. Yes, and the girls laugh because... He has a fancy car that says Maestro. Meanwhile, Sigfredo has a vanilla ice haircut, but maybe he's really funny. Sig's defense is that Luis is lying for his deal and that Luis is the killer. It was Luis's gun and Luis rented the car. And Luis shouldn't be believed because he's a gangbanger, as Dennis says. They say that Luis was regurgitating like a mama bird everything that the cops said to him. I could see that if the cops already had the Adelsons and Katie in mind. Yeah. I could see that. But Sig was there. He was part of it. Is he saying he didn't know anything? Like, and he just showed up and then, whoa, we just killed someone? Which is kind of what Louise is saying. Honestly, I think both of the defense attorneys for both of them are excellent. I think they're trying whatever they can. I don't think it's bad. I think it's implausible, but... Then Jason, my maybe boyfriend, takes the stand and he is grilled. And the defense says, you appeared on Dateline. And he kind of smiles like, yeah, I'm famous. Kimberly from A Date With Dateline has a crush on me. I'm a household name. So then they say, don't you think all these media appearances laid out the theory of the case and tainted it all? Mm. Interesting. And then he says, was your appearance on Dateline before or after Katie was arrested? And Jason doesn't know. And I kind of feel like he should know the answer to that. Jason, I'm still a fan. Yeah, he should have gotten his timeline straight. That's hard. So Katie's defense says that Katie's only fault is having terrible taste in men. Horrible. The defense says horrible taste in men. Like really bad taste in men. So much so that I thought Katie was going to stand up and be like, we get it. I have horrible taste in men. Speaking of Katie's taste in things. Oh. Our Katie has great taste in men and hair care. Yeah, mainly in hair care products because I use pros. By now, you've probably heard us talk about pros, which is the world's most personalized hair care. Well, I want to, again, share a few updates since I started using the custom formulas that pros sent to me after I took my quiz. Spoiler alert, Pros is the real deal, and it is amazing. Pros is pretty much the one thing that is saving my severely overbleached hair from 2020 at this point. It's just pros. So I use a four-step process. I use 
a shampoo and conditioner. I also a few times a week use a pre-shampoo mask, which is really, really luxurious and nice when I feel like I have time and I want my hair to look extra good. I also use a hair oil on days that I don't wash my hair. And then sometimes if my hair is feeling particularly dry, like right after I've bleached it, when it's damp, it helps me out. But I know I talk about the extra special things, the hair oil and the pre-shampoo mask, but the shampoo and conditioner itself is nothing to sneeze at. It's really, really good stuff. It is my go-to shampoo and conditioner on an everyday basis when I just want my hair to look soft and shiny and to smell really nice. Pros knows that there's more to you than just your hair type. They have given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I got started and how they knew that my hair was a disaster and they really wanted to help me and they did. You answer a bunch of questions about the environment that you live in and also what you've done to your hair so that they can make an assessment about what formula will work best for you. With their algorithm and over 50 billion formula combinations, Pros determines the unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. Also, you can refine. It's called the review and refine feature. So if I were to dye my hair dark, I probably wouldn't need as much of the heavy duty stuff as I need now. So I can adjust that in their system. If you're not 100% positive, Pros is the best hair care you've had. They will take all the products back. No questions asked. That's amazing. Can't beat that. I love that. No, that's great. Pros is the healthy care regimen with your name all over it. So take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash date dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off because what? Strike a pros. Strike a pros. Pros, 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 pros. Thank you, pros. Check them out, guys. Thank you, pros. Katie's hair does look amazing. It's way better. I can't stop looking at it. It's legit. Well, you're forced to look at it, but I'm glad that I have something like that so at least you can look at it nice. Yeah. When you're forced to look at it. So thank you, pros. Pros <laughs> Kimberly really thanks. <laughs> so Sig Freud Sig Freud, what's his name again? Sigmund Sigmund and Roy. Yeah. Doesn't take the stand, but Katie does. She had nothing to do with the murder. She had thrown Sig out of the house because he cheated. What she was she was okay. No, but he was after. No, she threw him out long ago. Okay. She also was dating both men at the same time. Well then because they the timeline becomes hazy because they had like gotten back together and she didn't break up with Charlie. She started dating Charlie, she says, after she had thrown him out. And then she just hadn't ended things with Charlie when she reconciled with Siggy. Okay. Dennis says it was complicated. I think that's fair. Yes, it's fair. She, but I do feel like the prosecutor or the defense, whoever was asking her these questions, was kind of S-shaming her a little, like very poignantly. So you were having sex with both men? Oh, no. She was doing that on purpose. It was the defense attorney because she knows that the prosecution is going to go after it. So she was doing it first. She was going hard. Yeah. Then they're asking her all these questions about her jobs. Like she was a bottle girl and that's how she supported herself. And weren't you, you know, encouraged to wear very little clothing as little as possible and all the stuff. And Katie's like, yes, she on a good night, she would make a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars on one night. So that's how she had the disposable income. 
and the breast augmentation from the world-famous Dr. Boopner, she paid for herself with cash tips. So I guess she's saying Charlie did not pay for half. I've decided at this time I'm going to announce that I'm quitting the podcast because I found more lucrative opportunities selling alcohol at bars. I don't know if I have the right temperament, though. How are you with drunk people? Angry. Rabby drunk people. Yeah, dry, tall person. But my hair looks good. Mm-hmm. There we go. So she says she never picked up any stapled money from Charlie and gave it to Luis. She said that she has no information that Charlie was involved, but she believes he was involved. Ooh. This is Katie saying that. Mm-hmm. But now, obviously, she can't say anything like, I know he's involved because he asked me, because I did this, because that will send her away. And she's obviously still saying she's not guilty. So she's just a pawn in this whole operation. And at this point, the defense is calling Katie Catherine to make her sound more dignified and less like a criminal. And I have decided I'm going to start calling you Catherine. Yeah. I mean, it's effective if you're angry at me. Because it will immediately make me think you're angry with me because I'm only ever called that if people are angry at me or when I was um, in City College and the teacher would not call people by things that weren't on the roll. And so I went by Catherine for a year. And then it's weird to run into people from that time because they say, hey, Catherine. And I'm like, oh, why did I do that? It's not on purpose. That's hilarious. She's like, must stick to the protocol. I just didn't. How weird is that? It's like she wouldn't do like... She sounds ornery. Yeah. So the jury finds Sig guilty, but they can't reach a verdict on Miss Catherine. Maybe because they called her Catherine. It's a mistrial. They're like, Catherine, she couldn't be a criminal. Katie, yes. Do you know why they couldn't? Why they mistrialed? They say in the dateline, well, first of all, the defense of Sig says that Katie is like Neo in the Matrix, dodging bullets. Who is that guy? He's the most like Miami-esque lawyer with like the perfect manic The striped suit. The yeah. way he threw out like Neo in The Matrix. First of all, has Dennis seen The Matrix enough to know what that is? I feel like Dennis's reaction was more like, explain that. Because okay. I brought up Neo before on here and you have acted like you are a senior citizen and don't know what that means. I don't know if I've seen that movie but I could follow the conversation. So the prosecutor says they're going to try Katie again. And as Sig is being taken away, he says, tell Katie I love her. So romantic. That was kind of romantic, actually. I thought it was sad. It made me kind of, it was actually my maybe my precious moment, besides the parents of Dan, who you know I wanted to be my parents because I have an affinity for Jewish parents. I mean, at least he mentioned her. At least he thought about it enough to care and say, he said, tell Katie to keep her chin up and tell her I love her. I was like, all right. Sweet. He maybe could have said, also take care of our children. Well, she's not taking care of their children. She's in prison. Oh, right. Who is taking care of their children? We'll get to it in our newest segment at the end called, where are the children? (laughs) Because it comes up every single episode. Every episode now. Every episode. It's, we don't know. 2020 is just rampant with children that are not seen on Dateline. Just orphans. I have no idea what's going on. It's horrible. So Katie's trial is pending her retrial. And I was like, this isn't over yet. Dateline. So I feel like there's going to be a third. 
And what about the Adelsons? They don't feel like they have enough to charge them with a crime. Their attorneys say it is fanciful fiction that they were involved. To which I say, who else had the motive? Qui bono, my friends. Qui bono. And see how I'm using that term because I obviously knew it before this episode. Yeah, it'd be funnier if you said it with more of a Southern accent. Kawee Bono. <laughs> that sounds like Mooey Bian. <laughs> if you get that reference, you get $10. I don't know what it is. But I do know Peggy Hill said Chinco de Mayo. Chinco de Mayo. What's Mooey Bian? Very good, so-and-so. Mooey Bian. I'll get it. It'll come to me. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, let me know. Okay. Dan's parents miss their grandchildren. They are still with Wendy and her parents, and they haven't gotten to see them in four years because they believe Wendy will not let them, which is a huge sack of BS. It's not that they believe that Wendy won't let them. They know. Wendy straight up won't let them. Yeah, she won't. Yeah. And the saddest, the my precious moments is Dan's mom says, I can't go to Dan's grave with that information. Like, I can't go visit my own son because I'll have to tell his spirit that I can't see the grandchildren. Like, it's horrible. It's awful. It's awful. It's horrible. And then we get the kick in the pants, the real just, I hope they talked about this in the podcast. Wendy changed her son's last names from Markle to Adelson. She says to protect them from media reports and for their own security. Because it's not like the Adelsons aren't all over the news for maybe getting or possibly involved in a murder. Right. For maybe killing their dad. Right. Yeah. And the parents said it's like he's being erased. And I was like, it is. It is like he's being erased. It's. Yeah. That is so bad that is petty like when that divorce attorney said it was like the pettiest divorce he had ever seen yeah this is so petty and dan is dead he's still their dad i can't even Uh, that was no dennis gives the mom one last chance to like say something to the kids if they're watching or if they ever see this and she says just know that your dad loved you to infinity and then the dad says you can change a name but you can't change dna yes Go dad. Go dad. Go dad's dad. Yeah, that was great. What else did they talk about on the podcast? First of all, again, total plug of Over My Dead Body season one. It's the first season of the show, and I thought it was really well done. It's like six or seven episodes, so it's kind of short. So if you're into like just hearing about one case split out, they talk about how they got together, which is kind of fun. And I remember the reason I started listening to it is because it reminds me of Gone Girl. They go through it in that kind of detail. Do you remember the beginning of Gone Girl? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know it's going to go wrong, but you don't know when it's going to go wrong. It's that kind of feeling. But the gossipy tidbit was their wedding. It was crazy. And I guess there was like a lot of tension the day of. And mainly because both parents helped pay for it, both sets of parents. And Dan's parents were very much like this needs to be kosher. And you'll understand this, maybe. The food was set. I didn't understand. I guess it's certain things can't be next to each other. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was meat and cheese. I think we're at the same. It's dairy and something else, right? What is the rule for kosher? Meat and dairy can't be together. They have to be served on different plates. Like they have to have a different set of plates and they have to be like stored separately in different fridges if you're going all the way with it. 
And they're not supposed to be served together in the same meal. Right. And they were at the same table. And I guess that Dan had asked for a favor from his favorite rabbi to come and officiate the wedding and was so humiliated. Dan and his family were horrified because her family said they would do the catering. And Dan's like, that's fine, but it has to be kosher. And they didn't do it. So it was like drama. Anyways. See, that feels petty to me. I think that's her family doing that, unless it was an honest mistake. That feels passive aggressive to me. Very passive aggressive. Yeah, because you're also Jewish. It feels like psycho in-laws. It feels like they should be on the Dateline, the ID network show, Evil In-Law. That's just where it starts. Like, that's just the start of it. So the wedding and then that, her moving all the stuff out of the house, they go into the detail of that. It was pretty intense. It was like, she said, she told him, he was away on a trip, said, I want a divorce or whatever. He's like, I'm coming home to work this out. Comes home, opens the door and doesn't turn the lights on, but can feel there's something different in the house because half the furniture has gone. All the kids' clothes, all the kids' toys. She moved all the kid items out of the house specifically and then left the bed in the master bedroom and on the bed is a thick stack of divorce papers. That's brutal, girl. He didn't cheat on you. No, I'm solidly on his side on this. Even if he was annoying, like she sounds worse. And we only get really the interview with the two friends at the beginning, but both of those friends, I don't, Jeremy and Tracy, I think are their names. We only get a couple seconds with them in Dateline, so they're kind of superfluous interviews, but you hear from them in the podcast. They were on Dan's side. Like if they were going to take sides because she was kind of being nuts. The judge was basically not granting her a reason to move because he's like, you have a job here. He has a job here. The children can see their father. I'm not going to allow you to move the children. So she there was nothing that Dan was doing that was bad enough for her to prove that the children should be with her full time. So that's why I think she may have played a part in it because he had to go for her to get what she wanted. And she's kind of spoiled. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, I believe she looked the other way mm-hmm. and hinted that this is what she wanted. And the worst case scenario, I believe she knew about it from the beginning and played a part. Yeah, maybe so, like got his schedule or something. Maybe she chipped in. She was going to chip in for the million dollars. And that was real. They did make that offer to him. The big thing that there's more about in the podcast is that undercover stuff. Because it wasn't just like the handing of the letter R. It was a phone, it started with a phone call. They called Donna, the mom. And then they approach her with the letter. And then the mom and the dad get a letter, get a different letter mailed to the house. And then they called the dad's office, the business. The undercover officer is going pretty hard with that. But they have the phones tapped the whole time. And you get to hear more of the phone calls between Charlie and Katie, which are crazy. The code is bananas. The two words that like stuck out to me was bonsai tree. Bonsai tree means something. And then pot-bellied pig, which is not so subtle because the way he's saying it, he's like, hey, I wanted to let you know, guess what my friend just got? A pot-bellied pig. And she goes, what? And he goes, a pot-bellied pig. Oh my God. And she goes, oh, that's not good, which means cops, right? I mean, they're using pig for cops. Oh, my God. So they said that it was pretty clear towards the end he knew he was being recorded. And at one point, she gets mad on a call and says, I'm so sick of this effing code. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, my God. So the code is his idea. So you thought earlier that he was kind of letting it go with the mom. He was very careful. 
about what he was saying on the phone. Super careful. Really paranoid. And then they were talking about the one thing they did hear, Charlie, the maestro. He would talk a lot about they're in a bad relationship. Like relationship was like code for something to do with the hit. He also talked a lot to his friends about steroids. He knew everything there was to know about steroids. He worked out constantly because mm. he used to be a little guy, I guess. And so he knew all about steroids, how long you could do a cycle of steroids for, what steroids you could be on forever, what you could only be on for a short amount of time, et cetera, et cetera, and everything about guns. Mm. He knew everything about guns. Well, he slept with a gun, so. Yeah, because he's like a gun guy. So he's a gun gym guy. Yeah. He's a bad dude. And the biggest interview that we get is the older brother, Rob, who doesn't like the family. Yeah, tell me about him. Not much to say, except he sounds really normal. And the relationship, like he used to have a good relationship with his sister, not so much anymore. This all gave him like a bad taste in his mouth. He thinks that the relationship that the parents and Charlie specifically have towards Wendy is weird. Oh. She's overprotected. She's, but we knew that, right? We could tell that. Katie was supposed to get a crap ton of money because it wasn't just the money from Donna. It was also, she was getting nervous at some point in one of the phone calls and Charlie's like, I'll give you the boat. I'll put the boat in your name tomorrow. He was going to hold the boat as collateral that she was definitely going to get paid. So how is she going on the stand and saying they weren't giving her any money? Isn't there a record? They said they had Katie's record bank account and it went from nothing to a hundred thousand dollars she was saying that was cash tips right but there's no out deposit taking out of money from the parents there's nothing weird in their statements they had the payroll what about the 35 grand and the however much it was to pay sigmundo yeah we didn't hear about that Maybe that is in the podcast and I missed it. The podcast is pretty detailed. I would recommend it. If you're interested in this case, do it. I just feel like there has to be a money trail somehow, unless it was all funneled through the business. But then the cops should be looking at the business with a fine-tooth comb. Why aren't they arrested or under more investigation? So they know someone. Yeah. But also there's not a lot of proof, except they have Charlie on tape trying to get Katie to kill the undercover guy. Like, question though, did we hear the tapes at trial? I think they weren't allowed to play the tapes. For some reason, they got the tapes excluded. Because the tapes clearly show that Charlie's guilty and that Donna's guilty. So why were they not allowed to play the tapes? Because Katie didn't consent? I mean, is that... She doesn't have to consent if she's a criminal that's being recorded. But tapes are only admissible if you're consenting. Otherwise, it's just for like research purposes, right? Is that how the tapes work? No, you can play... We've seen tapes played on Dateline. The Pamela Smart, they did those tapes. Mm, okay, you're right. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Okay, anyways. It's not always legal if it's one like civilian recording another. But if it's the cops doing a recording, they can do that. Right, because they have a warrant. They have probable cause. Okay. But how frustrating for the family. It's a frustrating case. It's an unbelievably frustrating case. Because the right people aren't arrested yet. I really need Katie to flip. And I don't know why she's not. Charlie's scary, though. Because she almost got off the first time. Oh, here's the weird thing is what they said is that Katie was offered immunity to testify against Charlie and the family. Offered immunity. Katie was? Katie was. And didn't take it. That's why I think that the jury voted, that's what would have made me vote not guilty for her. Because she chose, instead of to be home with her child, 
her home with her two children, whatever, one or two children, she chose to go to jail because she knew that she was innocent. She chose to wait for trial so she could be exonerated. Or she's that scared of the Adelsons. Or she's that scared of the Adelsons. So are the Adelsons one of these older, scary money families that maybe... No, I think they're new money scary. We do? New money? What do we think they are? What's happening here? I think Charlie probably said, I can just have your kids taken yes. care of. It Was that it, that I could kill your children? Oh, it's very scary. Anyways, I don't know, but there's a lot of questions here. There's a lot of weird stuff. That's one of the weird things, I thought that she wouldn't take the deal. How would you not take that deal? You must be really scared. So whoever they're connected to, it's somebody high up. Or she's just scared of them because they're that shameless. That they're just going to kill anybody. Yeah, that's true. Because they did say, let's just kill that guy. You're going to have to kill that guy. Yeah, they're just fine with the bodies piling up. They got away with it once. It's just, it's privilege, white privilege. It is. It's just... Yeah, it is. That's what it is. It really is unfair in this situation. That's pretty gross. B-roll bonanza. Jason strutting down the corridors with his badge on his belt. Go, Jason. So there's a bunch of things you like about him. I do like the badge on the belt. Yeah, everyone does. It's classy. It's classy. That's good. Classic detective move. The friends have a gorgeous kitchen and they're drinking coffee in it. I just thought it was a very beautiful kitchen. It's very lovely. Like a fancy couple with like a fancy kitchen drinking coffee. Look like a commercial. Hmm, that could be you and Oliver. No, it couldn't. Katie's selfies with the duck lips. Yeah, it seems right. I mean, yeah, yes. Yeah, it does. It checks out. Yeah, that's The correct. low-cut shirt showing off the Dr. Boobner's work. She paid a lot of money for the Dr. Boobners, so she didn't pay that much money, though. She paid half. Oh, no, she paid 8000 They were eight grand. Wait, is that from the podcast? We don't find that out from Dateline. Oh, was it in the podcast? Oh, sorry, it was in the podcast. It's 4000 She paid 4000 something cash, and then 400 later, she paid 4400 and then somebody else paid for the other half. Somebody else being Charlie. Charlie never says that it's him. She never says that it's Charlie. It was a friend that said it was Charlie. So it's hard because you don't know. At the trial, she makes it sound like it was all her. Yes, I don't think so. It just seems weird that there's not more entwined with Katie and the family. Because I feel like if you're hiring someone to do a hit for someone, that's an outright payment. This is, we are going to pay you a long-term or short-term salary. We are going to give you a car. We are going to pay for half of your boobs. It's like a lot of different things. But some of that could have just been Charlie as the boyfriend paying for it. Right. But was he just the boyfriend to get the hit? Ooh. That's what you said. So what do you feel like should be there that's not? What do you feel like is? It just feels like there's more entwined there because I feel like it would be like more just an outright payment if it was you're going to find someone to do the hit for us. You feel like there's, you still feel like there's something else that they're paying him, her off for. Maybe so. You may have me convinced. I see what you're saying. I see your point. And that could be another reason why she's not flipping. Because it's something bigger. Or maybe they're helping funnel in money for her defense. Yeah. Who is her defense attorney? I'd love to know who's paying for that defense attorney who's great. I don't know. And doesn't seem cheap. Is there any theory to the fact that Wendy, any of her other boyfriends could have done this? Oh, like Jeffrey? Yeah. Or the other mysterious guy that we never hear anything about that she was also dating at the time of Jeffrey. 
Oh, I think there's something about him in the podcast. But there is more, a little bit more about Jeffrey. Jeffrey's, Jeffrey's wacky. I think there is. I think she's a bit of a black widow. I, I think she's one of those women. We've talked about them before. The witchy women. I think she's one of those girls that like sucks people in with her charm and especially men. And then now she has a victim card that she can pull for men that like to save women because she has a bad husband. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Tricky. Titles? I feel like I should have some really, really good ones, and I don't. Do you have any really, really good ones? Well, I just want to point out that I don't feel like they actually trapped anyone because they should have been trying to trap the Adelsons. But it didn't work. No, she was trapped in Tallahassee. Katie? Yeah, Tallahassee trap. She was stuck there with him. It's why she needed to get a divorce. Wendy, you mean? Yep, sorry, Wendy, yeah. Also, I think that the trap was also referring, so it could have been referring to that, but it also could just be referring to the trapping Donna, but it didn't work because Donna wasn't arrested. You're right. Yeah. You're right. It doesn't really work. It was more like a plot. I don't feel like trap actually happened. I mean, they tried several times. But I think that's what they were expecting. Is it possible that this was named because they were expecting it to go the way we all thought this was going to go, which means that. Dan and Donna are arrested for this because they paid for it. I mean, it's very clear that that's where it's leading, right? You think Dateline thought that? Yes. No, because Dateline names it after. And they've already done one episode on this. And the Adelsons still hadn't been arrested. So they knew about the trapping. And last time it was called Cold-Blooded, which is obviously more of just a reference to the murder. So what could we have named it that would have been better? What's like a serious title? That we could have named it. What about Dan marked for death? Terrible. What about how to get away with murder? Yep. Be white in Florida. Huh. Did you get anywhere with Adelson? No, I didn't even try. Able, able son and mother. Oh. Able to get away with murder. Son and mother. Would have done it. Excuse me. That's Dr. Boobner. <laughs> I swear to tell the tooth and nothing but the tooth. There we go. Deadly Dentists. No. It's already a title on ID. Yeah, what are you doing? It's a series on ID. You're just stealing. Thievery. What about a staple gun? Oh. Something with stapling. Yeah, that's good. A staple gun. I like it. What about maestro of a murder? Maestro for a murder? Maestro of a murder. What is a maestro? I only think of it in musical terms. I wrote of... I'm hoping I did it right. Okay. Or maybe it's four. No, a maestro of the L.A. Philharmonic. Right. Or a maestro for the L.A. Philharmonic. Maestro definition. I'm tired of this. Yeah, it's what I thought. It's a conductor. A distinguished musician, especially of a conductor of classical music. That's what I thought. But then I also kind of thought that it had a dual meaning because it doesn't make any sense for him to call himself that. Unless he's a sex maestro. Barf. You didn't need to say that, did you? Why'd you say that? Do you want my official title? Yeah, I do. Okay. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the sequel. Dr. Boobner and Mr. Gibbers. <gasps> I hate Gibbers. <laughs> I can't stand it. Gibbers is not right. Reminds me of giblets. Ugh. Everything in my body is telling me Gibbers is not okay. I know. It reminds me of the creepy doll that Kramer had on Seinfeld that was named Mr. Peepers? <laughs> no, no, no. I can't. I don't like it. I feel like also Mr. Gibbers maybe lives in that one house and like either A, molests children or 
B kills children and eats them. Or three is a hermit and is misunderstood. <laughs> and his name isn't actually Jibbers. It's Jimothy. And people don't get it right. Oh, I feel bad for Jimothy. I know. the kids like paint mean things on his door like child eater. They do. Yeah. And then it's like a folklore. Watch out for Mr. Jibbers. He'll come to you in the night. I, there's nothing okay Jibbers. about it. Wendy, you should be in jail for that, if nothing else, for Jibbers. That made you feel better? That was the nice nickname? I don't think so. No, it wasn't. Why even bring it up? Dan was scary, but Jibbers made you feel better. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm upset. But that was a great title. Well done. Well, you don't have any Twitter because it was a night old, right? I do have some Twitter. A few. By the way, I have an announcement to make. I heard through the grapevine that Kaiser Schlose, Schlose, what? Schlose? Yeah, listens to our show. You did? I did. I heard that. From who? Aaliyah. She made an announcement. She told me, guess what? You're going to be very happy. He listens to the show and I'm delighted. I don't think he actually listens, but he definitely knows who we are and follows us on Twitter. I'm going to pretend like he listens because that made me way happier than just knows who we are. So thanks. Thanks, Jibbers, for that. <laughs> Jibbers is what your name is if you bring me down. That's you. You're being a Jibbers. Okay. Tweet it up. Robert Shrilla says, please, please put Dr. Boobner on the stand. <gasps> My name. What's his real name? <laughs> it's Dr. like Rockschner or something. I looked it up. That'd be amazing if he forgot his own name. Spell your last name. B-O-O-B-N-E-R. Benjamin John Boobner. I mean, Gooshner. <laughs> you got it wrong. <laughs> Felicia says, girl, I have had horrible taste in men and no one around me was murdered. Give me a break. You don't get a bad picker defense. That's not correct. Incorrect. 7-7, seven, seven, go Jen. Charlie wanted the one boob he paid for back from Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I want Riley back. <laughs> Dateline asked what people thought about Wendy's crying during the interrogation. And Fancy Fiction said, I felt nothing and I cry at ASPCA commercials. Oh, boy. Well, so do we all. Well, but who doesn't? That's um in the arms of the angels. Is that that one? Sarah McLaughlin one? Yes. I have to turn it off. Like, you can't even. Yeah, it's very no. painful. But I agree. I also felt nothing when Wendy was crying. Dateline producer said, fun fact. Wendy Adelson was once a contestant on the game show, The Weakest Link. I think Charlie's the weakest link of the family, personally. Oh, yeah, for sure. Wendy might be a close second. Yeah. Throw Charlie back in the ocean. Sarli <laughs> Sable Genius said, Wendy is a graduate of the Dahlia DiPolito School of Acting. Oh, boy. Oh, people really thought she was faking it. Just a few. Richard B. said, Charlie gives me screech vibes. Yes. There's a photo of when Screech grew out his facial hair when he was trying to be grown-up Screech and a porn star, and that's what Charlie looks like. Ooh, you can see it. not a good combo. Yeah. Yora Lamb said, just once we need to see an interview with an innocent spouse, so we have some kind of control to compare it to. <laughs> yeah, we need a control for testing. That's good. She also said, Tallahassee Trap sounds like a genre of rap music. Yes, it really does. Dayline producer said Sigfredo Garcia also had a company listed called Sigfredo Garcia Solutions, Inc. I wanted that to be, he also had a pizza shop and then there was a 
Siegfried, like fettuccine Sigfredo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would have been amazing, right? What kind of things does his company have solutions for? People's lives? Yes. Needing to be murdered? People who have wronged you, we will solution them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Dana Sand said, doesn't matter where the kids live. The real problem is they're still being raised in Florida. But apparently there's a huge difference between Tallahassee and... Because of the up north comment? What? Because he said up north. Well, no, there was also, it was something, it was sort of odd in the podcast, too. They talk about, like, that she was expecting because it was in Florida, it was going to be, like, all Florida, but it's not. Yeah, Dayline producer said that Tallahassee had had, like, the highest crime rates or something in years and years. So apparently Tallahassee is not great. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't either. I'm sorry to our Tallahassee listeners. Yeah, really sorry. I grew up in a place that's not great. I feel your pain. (laughs) So it's not your fault. So thank you guys. Please follow us online on social media, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I want to get more followers. Tell a friend. Retweet. We want to have 1,000 more followers by 2021. I love that. That's doable. We can do it. And we want to have our five stars on Apple Podcasts. So please, if you haven't, leave a review, a nice review. Yes, please leave us a nice review that makes up bad ones. We really appreciate it. Maybe we'll start reading the bad ones on here and you'll just feel so guilty that you'll have to leave a nice one to make up for it. That sounds really manipulative and I love it. Let's do that. (laughs) That sounds sounds great. So thank you, everyone. Make sure to vote. Wear a mask. Watch alone, kind of. Take care of each other. Yeah, with your designated Dateline Watcher. Tomorrow night, DJ Jibbers. This is DJ Jibbers, y'all. Come on down to the Gator Pit tomorrow night. We're spinning Tallahassee Trap. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. It's good, right? Can you see it? DJ Jibbers? See, that takes it out of it. If you put a DJ in front of Jibbers, that's a whole different person. I think the problem is, is that it's Mr. Jibbers. Right. Well, I and wanted the- to give him a salutation to make him a professional of some sort. What if it was Jibbers, comma, Esquire? Esquire? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sir Donald Jibbers. <laughs> what if he's like Jibbers the fourth and there's been many above him in the family line? Oh, God. Yeah. Jibbers Sr. Jonathan Jibbers the fourth. I still don't like that. No, I don't either. I think really the only one is DJ Jibbers. Yeah. Yeah, he's the only one that's okay. He drinks Natty Ice and loves it. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. It's Natty Ice. That's a beer. Tallahassee Trap. How much is a TV? I'm so sorry. I don't know how much a TV is. I haven't bought a TV in 10 years. I know. I still have the same one I have from 10 years ago. But And that was when they were expensive. They used to be really expensive, but now they're. I don't think they are. I think because technology just gets better. They go down in price. But if you care about like having a really good TV, they're expensive. Probably. Okay. I'm just wondering where, why we're both not understanding the TV. It just seems, it seems like it was a really big deal gift because he got her that instead of a hitman. But it, to me, a TV is like, $100. I think I don't know things. Okay. No, I, th- I bet he spent like $1,000 or $800 or something. But is there something s- weird with this brother and nice sister? That's too nice of a gift. That's way too nice of a gift for a brother and sister. There is something. 
it, they seem too close. I need you to listen to this podcast and give me. Your I think opinion. something happened when they were kids. I'm speculating wildly, but always. You're always speculating wildly about brothers and sisters. I feel like they're, he's too overprotective of her, and there's something he's trying to make up for. Oh, snap. I, th- I feel like it's more like she fell off a horse at their ranch, at their summer ranch. It could be. Did he try to kill her when she was a baby? You think it's, I know what you think it is. We'll just let it go. All right. I'm just not going to say. You don't have to say. Everyone knows what you're thinking. It's loud and clear. I love code. I love a good code. We need more. Yes, we do. I've said it a million. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times. We just don't follow through with it. Well, maybe this is the year. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The year of code. So. COVID. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if he killed that other girl that went missing in Miami and no one knows where she is or she was burned up in the dumpster. Remember? Oh, that girl. Yeah. I was going to say, you're going to have to be more specific because I feel like a lot of. (laughs) The one that went to the Lady Gaga concert and then was found burned in the dumpster. Charlie, where was he that weekend? I would like an all points bulletin out for that. Kimberly, stop blowing your own wad. Knock that off. She knew all about it. Dateline's defense. Sorry, Katie's defense. (laughs) You're Katie. It's throwing me so much having someone with your name. Why? We have, we've had people named Kimberly and Katie before. Is it because her and I are so much alike? Yeah. I've been to many a grotto. Yeah. Yeah. They used to call me Grotto Kate back in the day. Why haven't you seen The Matrix? Just watch it. I'm not interested. But I can follow the conversation. Like, I've seen the image of the... I made a meme of Keanu doing that thing. You know? My one meme that I made. So you made a meme of something you'd never seen. Yeah, it wasn't a meme, really. It was like a I made it on like Photoshop. It was the only Photoshop thing I've ever done, which was Keanu in a cartoon underwater landscape, dodging a giant cartoon bullet from Mario Brothers. But you've never seen the reference for what that is. I don't think so. Maybe I have. I don't remember. Somebody back me up here. So sacrilege. Sacrilege. 